0: Welcome back to the Final Whistle podcast. My name is Harry McBain and as usual, I'm joined by Bobby Addison. Thank you. uh, How are you doing, Bobby? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me on again. Uh, Now, this week we are joined by former Birmingham and current Reading defender Michael Morrison. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right. How are you guys? Okay. thanks for having me.
0: Um, Now, you started your career off at Cambridge. What made you want to become a footballer? um
1: I suppose it was just in my family a little bit my brother played football my older brother played football uh, my dad played in goal and you know used to take us out when we were kids and my older brother played in goal so I was always taking shots against him and it just sort of evolved from there really and then as you get older you know you start enjoying it taking it more seriously and and um I suppose different thing different doors open for me to to progress and take it more seriously and Eventually, you know, played for Cambridge and um, played professionally.
0: Now, as you mentioned there, you were taking loads of uh, shots against your brother. Did you uh, always want to be a defender? Because many people nowadays always want to be strikers as they're growing up.
1: Oh yeah, I was a striker. Not the same. I am the same as anyone else. I wanted to be the striker, scoring the goals, and I, I was fairly good at that until about 13-14 and then I slowly moved down, down, further down the pitch, and ended up playing centre half. Um, I wasn't happy at the time when I got moved from centre forward to centre half, but uh, it's worked out okay for me.
2: I mean, obviously you're speaking there about your little brother when you are playing football when you were younger. Did you have like idols as you were growing up playing football? You know, was there people that you looked up to when you were...?
1: I'm I'm an Arsenal fan because of Ian Wright. I loved seeing him score goals, so I was an Arsenal fan and uh, actually played with with his son at uh, Bradley Wright Phillips at Charlton. so that was a bit uh, of a weird... A weird thing, you know, growing up wanting to be Ian Wright, or you know, <laughs> inspiring me and actually playing with his son. So yeah, that was a bit surreal.
2: I think you might be the first Arsenal fan we've had on here, and I'm glad about that.
0: <laughs> now, when you were at Leicester, you worked under Nigel Pearson. Um, what what is he like, and does he live up to his fiery persona?
1: I think there's definitely two sides of Nigel. I mean, when I was when I was younger, I was certainly you know, very respectful of him and what he wanted um, and somebody that I wouldn't have crossed. Uh, not that I'd still cross him now, but, you know, I think as I've met him out of football and in, in different situations, he, you know, he's been so helpful and, you know, and given out his knowledge and, and helped me going forward in other things in life. So, I you know, I would say that he isn't the person that he comes across on, on, on uh, you know, online or, all the memes that you've seen and whatnot, he, you know, he's really caring person go out of his way and he will really protect his players. But certainly when I was a younger player uh, and he was the manager, whatever he said, it went.
0: <laughs> now you've um, obviously had a great career who, which managers would you say have influenced you most or the ones you most enjoyed working under?
1: Um, I think Chris Powell was probably the, one of the first people that, you know, that really influenced me as a manager. Obviously, Nigel signed me, um, and Chris Powell had a major say on my career as a youngster. Um, firstly, playing with him at Leicester, then he was a coach, and then he signed me at, at Charlton. So for the first you know, six or seven years of my professional career, you know, I, I, he was somebody that was there to support me. So he played a massive role in supporting my development as a, as a young professional. Um, and then Gary Rowett probably took, the, took me on again, gave me more responsibility in the change room as captain at Birmingham City. Um, and I've really enjoyed playing under uh, um, Gary Monk as well. So they're probably the, the three people, maybe four with Nigel as well, that, you know, in my professional career really influenced that. And, um, and probably a little shout out to Rob Newman, who was, you know, my first manager, Uh, at Cambridge it was a difficult time there where the club had got relegated and you know it's always difficult or it's always a a hard decision for managers to put young players in especially at at centre half and um, you know he gave me the he put some faith in me and, and and started off my career
2: so you mentioned that obviously you're a defender you're playing centre half and you know a lot of people say that when you're playing in centre half partnership is sort of key so did you have any, have you enjoyed playing alongside anyone particularly at the back, you know, that sort of understands how you play? Um, I,
1: I suppose when I was a kid, I was really lucky. I played with um, a couple of really good centre-halves. We played a three. We had um, Mark Peters and, and Mark Albrighton, and they, you know, they probably didn't get to, you know, not many people would know who they were, but they were they were great pros and, and really helped my development at that time. And anybody that saw Mark Peters play, he could head it further than he could kick it. And um, <laughs> He really helped me when I first got into into the team at Cambridge. And then I played with uh, Leon Court as well at at Charlton. And he was really professional. He was an older pro. And, you know, he he had to wait a long time to get in the team. And when he did, he he really took his chance. And probably by his own admission, not the best football player, but, you know, he could get them blocks in and win them headers. And he was so good to play with because he Mm. gave energy to everybody when he blocked the ball or the ball was in the air and he attacked it. So, so they're really good people to play next to. Um, I've also played next to Matt Taylor, uh, who's the manager at Exeter, and we had a really good relationship at, at Charlton on and off the pitch as well.
0: Uh, when you were at Leicester, you helped them gain promotion from League One in 2009. How much did it mean to you to achieve this? You know, only five five or so years into your career. It
1: was a weird one, really, because I think everybody at Leicester just expected to get promoted. We had a, a really good side. Uh, Matt Oakley was the captain. Steve Howard and Matty Frye scored all the goals. And, you know, there was Tom Cleverley that was in there. that went on to play for England. Andy King, you know, uh, a Leicester legend. And I think there was a real expectation that we were going to win the league. And I sort of arrived and was just happy to be there. And I I, I rid the wave almost and thought, oh, you know, this is my first professional you know, League One and was in first time in the league and I thought oh, this is this is easy. You know we're going to win win all the time and then the following year we backed that up and, and missed out in the playoffs. So it was uh, it was there was an expectation and aura around the place that that we should get promoted from from League One and I I really really enjoyed it. It was a great year and it was a real brilliant experience that you know at the time you think is going to come about for, you know all, all the time and happen very often and then promotions and stuff like that. You know I feel very lucky to have got them in my career.
0: Mm. Now, um, obviously, when you joined Birmingham permanently in 2015, you played alongside a def- another defender we've interviewed, Paul Robinson. Um, what was it like playing alongside him?
1: I shouldn't have missed Paul out. Actually, he was really—he's uh, somebody that's been really, really inspiring. Um, he went on and had a really you know, a, a long career as well. When I was there, you know, another three or four years, and he ended up retiring. He might have been 38 maybe, I might be wrong, but, you know, he really looked after himself and the work that he put in during the week was incredible, you know, and he really set standards for the team and it was really inspiring and he was somebody that you'd look around to and you could see the aggression on his face and that really made you think, well, I, you know, he's ready for the battle, I need to be ready as well and he was somebody I really liked playing next to and, uh he was really good in my development as a person and as a captain as well, really showed me the way. And I appreciate all the help because it was always a you know a bit of a difficult time when I took out, when I come into the football club as well, and he was so helpful and really settled me in. And, you know, he's a real good, good person as well as being a fantastic player.
0: He said um, how much the Birmingham fans um, helped the players, you know, play well on a match day. How important for you personally is it to have that strong fan base cheering you on
1: yeah the Birmingham fan base uh, was brilliant you know they really did act as that that 12th man um, through thick and thin as well you know it's, it's easy when you're top of the league and winning games and I think Birmingham fans whether we were winning or losing really stuck with, stuck with us and you know, there's been some hairy moments where we've had to stay up at the you know in the last game of the season a couple of times which you know everybody. You know, one year said, oh, we won't do it again, you know, never again. And it's happened a couple of times more, you know, that obviously the club's not happy about. But um, the fans have always stuck with it and played their part. And I would definitely echo them, them uh, comments that um, Paul's mentioned.
2: Yeah, and with all these moments that you're mentioning about, you know, playing with different people and, you know, different experiences, different teams, different managers... What would you say so far has maybe been like the most challenging moment in your career?
1: Um, probably uh, I got injured, probably my first injury at, at Birmingham. I was lucky enough, you know, to not pick up any injuries until then, really. And I had a, a double hernia operation and there were some problems afterwards. And I ended up being out. That should have been a routine operation for two weeks. I ended up being out for three or four months. Um And really bedridden, you know, I couldn't get into training ground and the team was really struggling as well. It was bad timing for for me personally and for the team. Uh, Gianfranco Zola had just taken over, Um, so it was a new manager at the time. So it was a real difficult period where, you know, I I couldn't really move very well. Should have been routine, new manager, the team slipping down the league. Um, So that was probably the three or four hardest
2: months of my career, I'd say. Mm. And um, you joined Reading in 2019, where you are now, and you've made yourself a strong figure in that team. Now, what has been your sort of now your favourite moment, maybe at Reading? What the team's sort of ambitions for the season? How's the, the camp? How's it all doing around there? Um,
1: so, I'd say my, my, um, my first week of playing, really, I had to wait a little while to get into the team. Um, got into the team, and we beat Cardiff on TV. We won 3 0. That was my debut. Um, and then on the Tuesday night, we played West Brom and we drew and then we went and beat Huddersfield and on 1-2-1. One, one, and that was a really good week for me. I scored in there uh, in the game as well. So it was that was you know, really kickstart my career at, at Reading and, you know, made me feel at home and feel like I could be a success there. So that was probably my most favourable week. Um, I'm hoping there'll be more more to come from that, um, especially this season after such a good start, you know, aspirations have lifted a little bit, um, not only from the fans, but from the players as well, I'd say. Um, and we'll just see where that takes us. Obviously, we've got tough games next month. It's going to be a, a tough period of seven or eight games in, in four weeks. And um, already we've picked up injuries. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in the transfer market in the, the next week or so. But um yeah, I think for when when you start like you do three wins, it 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 builds momentum, it builds buy-in, because obviously we have the new manager. Um, and hopefully we can continue that.
0: Now. now, you mentioned there um about the new manager, and obviously for people that aren't aware, uh, the former manager and he was also the former CEO, Mark Bowen, um, left left the club at the start of this season. Um, he'd built quite a good a good squad and he was getting some uh, decent results. What was um your and I guess the squad's reaction um, when he left the club?
1: I mean, first of all, the team is very good at, at Reading. I think we've got some mm. really good quality players. When you look at Ajaria and Swift, um, Lucas Chow, uh, Yaku Umeite, um he scored a lot of goals last season. Um, Michael Elise, I think I'll have a real break for a year this year. So there's a lot of quality in, in the team. Um, so any manager who's looking, looking at, you know, taking over that role as manager is licking their lips and thinking, what can I do with his side? Um, so I'm sure Mark was disappointed that he didn't get to, you know, having worked hard pre-season that he didn't get to, to work with the group over the season and build on what he's done, but he's left a good stable um, conditions for the new manager to work on. And he's brought in, in his ideas and um, we've had to take that on board really quickly. Um, you know, the news of Mark leaving was, you know, 24 hours. We were off to, or well, 48 hours. We were off to Portugal to meet the new manager. And and you have to understand the way that he wants to play and, and get the best out of the team. And credit to, to everybody involved. We've all got on with it, you know, done our jobs and, and really listened and participated in all the video meetings uh, and all the work on the pitch. And you hope that that comes to fruition when the season starts. And obviously the first three games have gone well, but there's still a lot of work to do a lot of improvement within what we're trying to do, but hopefully we've laid some foundations quickly with the new manager.
2: Yeah. And um, obviously it sounds like it's going really well at Reading. Obviously it's a nice start to the league and obviously maybe you don't want to talk about it, but you're getting towards the latter end of your career. I mean, depending on how long you want to play for, do you reckon maybe you could see yourself ending your career at Reading or do you reckon you could see yourself going into managing after you end your career
1: um yeah obviously when you you go past 30 I'll be you know 32 now so it, it's not it's not the end of my career I feel like I've got a lot of games mm. to play still you know I played 48 mm. games last season and 40 before that so you know I'm I still feel robust enough to carry on playing in the championship and I feel like I'm offering something to the team um but yeah I think once you get to that set you know a certain age over 30 you do start to look at Life after football, and whether that's doing your coaching badges, qualifications, and and etc. and investments elsewhere, you do have a, a you know half an eye on on making sure that your future's secured. I, you know, I've got a young family, so it'd be irresponsible of me not to. So I have started doing my coaching badges. Um, I'm doing a master's degree in um, sporting directorship. So it is something that that I'm looking at doing. I definitely want to stay in the game, whether that's coaching or more of a a leadership role in the business part of the football club you know wherever that sort of takes me but I, d- I do want to stay in football I've been involved for you know 15 years as a player hopefully a lot more you know 20 years would be you know brilliant for me if I can mm. do that and, and then look, look after you know look after mm. myself afterwards but I mean I'm doing the best job in the world I want to I want that to last as long as possible I don't want to be one of them people that that stop to go into another role or I certainly don't see that at the moment. I want to play as long as I can. Um, and, and hopefully help help Redding as long as I can.
0: Mm. Now two less serious questions here to end it off. Um, we've adopted this question for quite a lot of, uh, our recent guests. If you could have a dinner party with, uh, you know, four footballing uh, icons are going to be dead or alive. Um, who would you choose, you know, to have down just have a chat with them, and why?
1: Um, I think the first probably one would be David Beckham putting me on the spot. I'd say David Beckham, uh, obviously grew up with the uh, the goal he scored against Greece, and then all the the problem he had before that with the, the Argentina sending off. So it'd be quite interesting to hear his story on that part, and and obviously playing for Man U and. And stuff, I'm sure there's a few stories that that's not come out in the press that'd be quite interesting to hear about. Um, and what he's doing now within business, mm-hmm. quite exciting to, to hear about. So, David Beckham would be one. Um, I'm trying to think of another one, I feel like I'm on the spot here. So, I've got one, we've oh, got three left. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of another one. I mean, Paul Gascoigne would be a good one to, to bring some oh, yeah, definitely. Um. Listen, I'm sure he's got a few good stories to tell as well. Uh, <laughs> I'd share with with everyone, but yeah, I definitely would say Paul Gascoigne would be would be a good one and tell some stories. Um, they're probably the two that I could think of off the top of my head. I think you put me on the spot here. I find it quite difficult to, you, to
0: name. You, you mentioned um, Ian Wright earlier. Would you um, would you invite him along?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one actually. Yeah. Ian Wright so I'd, I'd have a good mix there so I've got three Ian Wright would be a good one obviously he's uh, he's such a great player Arsenal legend I'd listen to what he had to say and then um, I actually read uh, Carlo Ancelotti's book recently um, wow. somebody that I would uh, would like to to have a conversation with and, and speak to his book's um, really interesting uh, called Quiet Leadership and um, I found that good so I'd like to ask him a few questions uh, about how
0: his career and, and how he's gone about things. Mm, so it's a good, it's a good group. Now, um, finally, if there was one piece of advice for young, foot, uh, aspiring footballers on, you know, getting into the game or just uh, a mindset, what, what piece of advice would you give?
1: Um, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, talent doesn't beat hard work, you know, Um Hard work, it's underrated. You know, it can take you so far. Um, keep your head down and work hard. I think it's not glamorous and it's not the most exciting thing to say, but I've seen a lot of people um, go a lot further in their careers than their talent than the talent they have because of their hard work every day uh, and striving to be the best and, and actually putting the sacrifices in. Um, so certainly hard work would be um, the value or... I would say that that you need to to achieve success. Um, there's lots of talented players who haven't made it, and if you ask them why they haven't made it, it will be because they haven't been willing to sacrifice stuff. And I would mm. say down it as as hard work.
0: Mm. Well, brilliant! Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing uh, some bit about your career. It's been great talking to you.
1: Nice one, cheers, guys!
0: Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, please make sure to share with your friends. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me as well. Thank you for listening. That was the final whistle.